Broadly, my theme has been transforming beliefs and mindsets that transform cities. And last week, we, we talked a lot about the outcome of the referendum, but we based it in what happened in the, the city of Ephesus out of Acts 19. And I'd like us to revisit Ephesus um, in, in, in Acts 19. So if we want to go there, because of time, I'm not going to read the whole chapter like we did last week, as fun as that was. There is a comedy value, actually, in the story, the story of Ephesus. Um, I think it, it's worth saying something about um, the way the Bible is inspired. So just the first verse, so just stick up for the beginning. That would be fab. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> when, when you read the Bible, it, it covers a huge sweep of history. I mean, thousands of years. And as you, as you read it, it... it kind of frustrating sometimes because you can, you, can, you can jump a hundred years in a sentence and then you can come to other things and it seems to slow the action right on down. Almost like, the, you know, I don't know if you've been watching Wimbledon recently and, and, and actually now a lot of the football coverage. When, it, when it's boring or there's nothing happening in the game, they then do a little montage of all these like super slow-mo and you see someone's face going... And you think, what's all that about? You know the kind of thing I mean. Well, the Bible's a bit like that. When it comes to something it really wants you to know, so the Bible's written by men inspired fully by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit really wants you to get this bit, rather than a sentence for a hundred years, you suddenly go super slow-mo. So it goes... Over a section. And, and it's like, the, I mean, the writer Luke who wrote Acts... He's giving a pretty big sweep of history, and right here, he's homing in on what happened in Ephesus. And if we read it carefully, we see, as we saw last, last week, actually, they turned that city upside down. Not only that city, but the whole region of Asia was transformed. And, and, and on our holidays, we went to Ephesus, and that was very inspiring. But then you can go to numerous other places, which were cities of that era, where there were actually massive churches, there still remains of church buildings, and all the churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation, okay, at the beginning of the book of Revelation, there's a letter to different churches, so there is a bit to Ephesus and to Laodicea and so on and so forth. All of those churches came, are in this region of Asia, as the Romans called it, around Ephesus, and they came into being on the back of what God was doing in this, this city, which was the second city of the Roman Empire. So, so the action is slowed right down for us here, and it's as if the Holy Spirit is saying, this city got transformed. Look, look at this, this, this important information here. Gaze at this carefully, because I'm showing you how I do this and how I'm going to do it in city after city, in generation after generation all around the world. All right? Because, because Jesus sent them, and this has been kind of our theme from the beginning of this series, Jesus sent the disciples out to disciple nations. He had such confidence in what he had done for them, what he was going to release on them in the power of the Holy Spirit, that he believed it was okay to tell them that they were commissioned to transform nations. So when it says, go make disciples of all nations, We've often interpreted it as disciple individuals, and that isn't wrong to do. But the clear 
Greek is go disciple people group. So go and take a whole nation, a whole culture, and make it transformed into the thing. Let it be transformed so it represents all the things that I have taught you. Isn't that amazing? So he gave them a great place. He gave them a great identity. And in, in keeping with the greatness of the identity that he bestowed on the disciples, he gave them a great vision, a great destiny. And, and, and so the destiny of the church is in keeping with the identity of the church. And it's an incredible destiny because we've been given an incredible identity because we got raised again from the dead with Jesus Christ and we're now seated with him in heavenly places and our our king and our saviour said all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me so you go and you can change the planet and it just so happened that they took that seriously and and you know this is kind of like the blue peter here's one that they did earlier and 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 we can we can learn from that so I'm just going to pick up a few things, but I, I want you to hear it in the context of this is Holy Spirit super slow-mo. This is him saying cities will be changed and here's some clues. Here's some clues. It's going to look different in every place, but here's, here's some clues. So just read the first two or three verses here. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through in the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Uh, So Paul said, well, what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism. Paul said, John's baptism was the baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one who's coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, which is what we just did this morning. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There was about 12 men in all so please note that at the beginning these these guys are already called disciples all right if they walked out of the meeting and fell under a bus they would have been in heaven is the point but it's as if they hadn't they hadn't heard so they hadn't received the full package that you need now you're a disciple of Jesus and that included getting baptized, which we've just done publicly today, and in the name of Jesus, and then receiving the Holy Spirit. Very, very simple. And, and actually, it, I think there are still many believers around today who are disciples, who if they fell under a bus or somehow they were taken, they would be in heaven. They, they have eternal life, but they haven't fully received all that God has for them in order to change their life. They haven't publicly been baptized, which I believe has a powerful effect in the sense of cutting off the power of sin in your life. And secondly, they've not experientially, personally received the power of the Holy Spirit in their life at any key moment. They may, maybe like different to these, they know of the Holy Spirit, but as a personal encounter, a personal relationship, a personal experience, that could be lacking in their lives. And I want to propose to you that right at the beginning of the story of this transformation of this city, here's 12 people who get the, the foundational package right. 
the rest of the story is built, this is put in here by the Holy Spirit because the rest of the story is built on these guys. This is, this is the pattern onto which the rest of it happens. So it's not just Paul and his small team going in now. It's Paul, his team, and 12 disciples freshly filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized and going for it. And I think it's there for a reason. It's not just like, well, that's interesting information. I think this is a key. And it's why we make a thing about it here. Like, it's important that you receive the Holy Spirit by experience and start to speak in tongues and prophesy. That's not like, that's not advanced hires or degree or PhD Christianity. That is, it's like primary one. Yeah, you don't get it because you've kind of been on the way a long time and you've proved yourself. No, this, this is the beginnings, but the beginnings are really important. Uh, and, and I just appeal to you, I don't know, I suspect a lot of you sitting there and I'm preaching to the converted, I'm preaching to the choir, but there just may be today, I've never actually, could I say I've actually publicly been baptized in the name of Jesus in water for the forgiveness of my sins to put my old life behind me and come up into newness of life. If you're here today and you haven't done that, there is a tank and it won't be gone after the meeting. <laughs> if today is not a good day, we can easily arrange another one for you. I just encourage you to get in on the party. And if you're sitting there and going, you know, even I've been in this church ages and I hear people and I heard this tongue interpretation this morning and we hear the stories of people getting here. But you know, for me, it's never really touched me. I don't know the Holy Spirit. Today's your day. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. And suddenly things that sound like Chinese that we talk about suddenly make sense because more of heaven has invaded you. It's like it tunes your whole being more into the wavelength of heaven, which is where you've been born from already. If you're born again, you weren't born again from the earth. You were born again from heaven, from the heart of the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and He wants to overwhelm you. He wants to completely saturate you. So there's no mistake or no kind of accident that the word baptized in the Spirit is the same as baptized in water. Demonstration. That was what happened to them in water. God wants to do to you in the Holy Spirit so that when you come out of that encounter, what's dripping off you is Him. I, I, just, I just went to the loo. Uh, I still haven't achieved the level of spirituality where that's not required. Um, and and, and in, the, in the loo, the guys are getting changed after being baptized. There's pools of water all over the floor. That's, that's what we're called to do spiritually. Yeah? And if they shake themselves while you're there, you, kinda, you just get a bit of that on you. You can't help it. Uh, and it was fun in the prayer meeting this morning. Somebody, somebody there said, I think there's going to be healing. Look, there's oil coming out of someone's hands in the prayer meeting. That was so cool. <laughs> like, not metaphorical oil, actual oil. I don't understand that. But I like it. So just, just an exhortation, a reminder uh, that maybe you, there's somebody sitting here who's never publicly declared their faith through baptism. Maybe, maybe there's somebody sitting here who's never had a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit that's been so overwhelming that it's just, they know it's happened. It's kind of those things, when it's happened, you know that it's happened. 
I just want to lift that. If you want more teaching on that, kind of somewhere in ancient history on our website, there's a whole, I did eight weeks on that. <laughs> because it's actually been such a contentious issue in the church in Scotland. I did a lot of work on that, and I don't intend to try and repeat that in the time we have right now. <laughs> but I'm just saying, if we want to change a city, we need a bunch of people who are baptized in water and the Holy Spirit, just for starters, all right? And then Paul, let's move on. This is quite fun, isn't it? Let's go to verse 8. Can we do that? Oh, great. Then he goes into the synagogue and he speaks there for three months. Arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Let's keep going. But they got obstinate and refused to believe. So Paul left and he took the disciples with him. I suspect it was the disciples were the 12 at the beginning at this point. We don't know for sure, but that's possible and they had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus so he rented a room probably not unlike this but every day just just flick up the next this went on for two years every day so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord and God did extraordinary miracles through Paul we have this thing called a supernatural school a city and a region was changed by Paul running a school. As is a bit easier, you don't have to come every day. <laughs> Why do we have a school? It's because we want to change a nation. How do you change a nation? You have to immerse people in the revelation of the kingdom of heaven and then send them out to change where they are. So if you, this is some homework for you, but if you read the letter to the Colossians, you will realize that that was one of the churches that got started on the back of this school. And the person that did it was a guy called Epaphroditus who was in this school and Paul actually never went there. All those churches I mentioned, other than Ephesus, all those other places in Asia were started not by Paul but by probably Epaphroditus and others who were immersed in this school in this teaching every day, and it sparked out from there, so that it actually says, look, read with me what it says, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived, not just in Ephesus, but in the province of Asia, heard the word of the Lord. Everybody, according to the inspired writer of this, heard, because not just of what Paul did, but then others that went out and repeated it. And that is happening with our school. People are going from it and changing their churches and their places of work. We have seen people this year on our school go into restaurants and see legs grow by two or three inches. We've seen people go, and you've heard some of the stories here before, go and see people who are 70% deaf get healed. We've seen people go into their situations changed by the experience and the teaching that they are hearing and begin to change the atmosphere and the culture of their places of work and the churches that they're in. And there's now hundreds and hundreds of them. And I want to ask you, have you done it yet? Because this is part of who we are. This is a heartbeat place. If you want to find the heartbeat, you know if you're trying to find a heartbeat, where, where do you stick the stethoscope? 
I mean, you can find a pulse in all sorts of... But the primary place is you put it right where the heart is, eh? If you want to know... If you're new here in this environment and you want to find what the heartbeat is, th- this school is like this. It, it, it's disseminating what we're doing. And uh, if you aspire to, to lead in this environment, this school is our first base leadership training environment. And just so happens we've been doing it for four years now. We just graduated a whole bunch of people. So we're coming up in September to start our fifth year, which is quite amazing. So not just people in this church, but people from all kinds of churches, nearly every city in Scotland. We had people travel three hours each way to come to our school, and it's on the doorstep for you. Sign up if you haven't already done it, and if you've done year one, come back and do year two. We've worked on that now for a couple of years, and it's more awesome than it was at the beginning. Uh, And the smallness of year two helps you get the discipleship going at a better level. So... Schools are a key to changing cities. Getting the message out are absolutely crucial. And I also want to say that Paul had this double hit, and you see it here. He's teaching, and God's doing extraordinary miracles. And there's some Bibles. My Bible actually has got a heading inserted between verse 10 and 11, which kind of makes you, you can almost jump to, oh, there was a school, and he did extraordinary miracles. It almost like can disjoint the two, but the two were together. They weren't separate. The way that the city was transformed was through teaching and signs and wonders, not through one or the other. And I think in our environment, it's really important that we lift up the teaching, because we've done a lot talking about the experiences, and it's one of the reasons we've created a teaching team, because it's so important that in all our experience of God, and seeing God break out in in incredible ways, is that we really do know the Bible. I've spent years reading the Bible. But actually, you need to do that. And it's not an easy book to understand because it is full of contradictions. I'm not going to defend them. I think they're there on purpose. Some people have told me, you know, you talk to people like, yeah, but even Christians, it's full of contradictions, the New Testament, the Old Testament. Yes. Do you think that God is like you? Thank you, there's some honesty happening out over here. Some people actually, yes, probably is, and yes, he is, and that is true, because he made us like him. But what are apparent contradictions to us actually have complete unity and sense in him. It's just you can't get all of him into your head. And so we need, we need to pour over and get the scriptures into us because it helps expand our view and it keeps us in a a place of wonder, I think, if we approach it right. Uh, I just want to exhort you to value the scripture. And and we, we love prophetic words, but we don't want any prophetic revelation that goes outside of the revelation of scripture. Which means you need to know scripture, otherwise you don't know what's off the wall. And most stuff isn't, but just occasionally something happens. You think, eh, eh, I don't know about that. There's something in what builds inside you over the years as you invest in understanding the word of God is it builds this kind of, I don't, I'm not so sure, indicator. 
There's just a little needle inside you goes, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I know a few verses. I'm like, I'm not sure. Have you, anybody got any, a not sure indicator inside them? It's just, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to have. Um, <clears throat> I could give examples of where things have gone wrong when you don't have that. I'm not going to begin to do that today. But just, it can. Just trust me, it can. Uh, <laughs> so here we are, and verse 11, you can really skip over it, but let, let's read it again and move on to verse 12. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them. That's just in a day's work for Paul. So here we go. Let's see if it works for me. <laughs> I'd have to pay you to take my hanky, right? <laughs> well, I, 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 it, this is amazing, but what's even more amazing is without commanding demons to leave, a hanky delivered people. I'm just picking you out because you're near, right? Not you know, here's this really demonized guy, and he picks up my snotty hanky, and suddenly five demons leap out of him. No, no other thing is prayed, said, or commanded. That's an extraordinary miracle. Now, I just want to home in on the word extraordinary, because in Greek it means not the normal. And I love that. So... They kind of, what can happen is you can get used to the normal. Well, you know, yeah, we have the, the back aches healed and we have the ear aches healed and we have the, the we can kind of get used to the normal and then every and again something happens and the extra normal, the not the normal, starts to break out. And actually, fascinatingly, the, the root of the Greek word is, is, is like spot on. So you could say that they're extraordinary, but they're exactly what's needed. Um, they're hitting the target. Boom. <laughs> and, and I know that we've seen amazing things here. And this morning, wasn't that incredible? Ken Newton, go. Just courage, praying for your neighbor. You know, all those medical changes just blows your mind how does God do that I don't know but he did thank you Jesus at the same time we could go around the room and there is you know a potential for a pile of disappointment higher than the ceiling you know, we have people who are struggling with medical issues and we prayed and we prayed and there is as yet no breakthrough in fact sometimes we have experienced that you pray and they get worse syndrome What do we do with that? I think, I think there's a couple of things we can do. Is I think there is opposition. There just is opposition. And one of the things we learned, probably I remember talking about this more than a year ago now, but we need to refresh these things sometimes, is the realm of the point of greatest opposition or resistance is often right in front of the greatest breakthrough that is going to happen. So the fact that we have a whole series of cancers that we haven't had breakthrough in 
you could go, oh, it's never going to happen. I'll put my hands in my pocket and we'll just do our best at making the meals and you know, caring for them, which we need to do. And we also need to be very careful that we don't put condemnation on people who aren't healed. We want this to be an environment where we value medical healing. All right? I've heard some crazy stuff going around. Like, all good, where do all good things come from? Pardon? Is healing good? Is getting well good? Does it matter if you get well through the doctor or through laying on of hands? It's still good. So if you're still waiting for heaven to heal you and you can go to the doctor, go do it. And praise God for him or her. I'm going to say that again. Praise God for doctors, for medicine. There are people who don't want to see you sick. That's reflecting God's heart of goodness. They've been given medical ideas and all kinds of things to try and see a breakthrough in your life so that you can live healthy. Let's praise God for them and yet keep going after the miraculous. They're not in conflict with one another. They're all from the heart of God who wants to see you well. And actually you want to see you well, otherwise you wouldn't go to the doctor. You wouldn't be going, you know what, uh, it's the will of God that I'm sick, so I'm not going to take those antibiotics. That's ridiculous. We all know that's ridiculous. So God wants you well. You want to be well. He's going to, he's, he's sent Jesus to heal you and medical science as well. He's just kind of got your back on both sides. But disappointments do come. It's really important that we don't let our belief, when what we expected and hoping for isn't happening, that we don't stop believing that God is a healer of the sick, a raiser of the dead, and fundamentally good. We just keep lifting that up, even when it's tough, even when there's no supernatural breakthrough. That's our song. That's our commitment. And I think if we keep pressing, there's amazing breakthrough on cancer just the other side. I, I have seen my son get cancer. I have buried people with cancer. I have prayed for people with cancer. There's been no results. I'm still believing I'm going to see tons and tons of people healed of cancer. Not giving up. <laughs> so it's really fun to imagine what an extraordinary thing could be. So like we have no example of Jesus healing people this way and he said that we would do what he did and greater things. I, I don't even know if Paul thought, wouldn't it be fun? Let's see what happens with a, a hanky or it was probably a sweat cloth and aprons because he was making tents as he went along. So they took his aprons and the things that he'd be mopping his brow with and they thought, well, we can't get Paul so we'll throw this on you and see what happens. <laughs> it could have been that somebody else experimented, yeah? Rather than Paul said, I believe I'm such an anointed man of God that even the sweat from my brow on this handkerchief will heal thee. So take thee, thou thee my hanky and lay it upon those around you. It could just be some hungry person thought, I can't get Paul, I'll get his sweat and see what happens. So we need an experimental culture. I wonder what happens if we give this a try. 
And we also, I think we need, we need to start imagining, what, as we get breakthrough, what could it be like? What could it be like? I, I, and I like to listen to people and read stuff that blows my level of expectation. So I read something the other week, and I'm like, wow, that's so cool. You know, Jesus said we'd do greater things, and he calmed the storm. Yeah? Well, what would be greater than speaking to the waves and calming the storm? Well, how about standing, two or three Christians standing on a beach as a 20-foot tsunami wave is coming in across the Pacific and saying, stop in Jesus' name. How about speaking, we had Faith Blatchford here, she did this, she spoke to a tornado and it went round our island and didn't. How about speaking to them and they just go. Or a volcanic eruption. Go to Iceland and bless them. Kicking England out of the World Cup. Sorry, it was got <laughs> There is real pain there, honestly. <laughs> but go, you know, that it was a few years ago, all the all the airspace was shut down because of that constantly sort of erupting volcano that was spinning ash into the atmosphere. Wouldn't it be cool if a couple of Christians went to Iceland and just said, you know, be closed in Jesus' name, and it solved the whole air traffic problem like overnight. What are you, what are you, what are you imagining? That would be extraordinary, wouldn't it? That would put Jesus' fame somewhere on the planet. Speaking to cities, uh, economies. I don't sit, just, I'm just thinking about it, just sitting in a place of work. Wouldn't it be cool if just sitting there, here yeah, I'm in my office, you know, and in the winter they're all coming in and they're a bit, you know, they're snotty and the flu, but they can't afford to take another day off. And you know the kind of thing that happens in an office and you're sitting there and you're just, you're just radiating Jesus and as they come in, they feel better. Then they go home and they're still snotty and then they come in the next day and they're like, I feel better. And, and this happens for a whole week that, I don't know, five people in your office, just because they're sitting around or near you, you haven't prayed, you haven't, you haven't shared the gospel with them, you have been the gospel to them. I'm, I'm, I'm just imagining what it could be like and eventually they start to cotton on that every time we come and sit near you, all the symptoms of whatever it is we've got disappear. What is it you've got? I'm just glad you asked me. And there's all kinds of things, that different ones. You're beginning to dream and hope that this sort of thing could break out around me. Well, keep dreaming, keep hoping. Don't allow our disappointments to sort of puncture our hope. Disappointment is okay. It's when it punctures hope that we get into difficulty. <clears throat> Just a couple more verses and we will finish. So this is interesting that this is in. The failed exorcism takes almost like its central spot in the passage. If you read this, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Let's keep going. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. 
So it sounds like there's a few people at this, like, well, this Jesus thing seems to work, let's give it a try. One day, the, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, I know about Paul, but who are you? <laughs> then the man who had the spirit jumped on them, overpowered them, and gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. And when this became known, the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were seized with fear. The name of the Lord was held in honor. And many who believed, so this is people who are now believers, now openly come, confess their evil deeds. And those who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And the value was 50,000 drachma, which in modern language is four and a half million quid. So a failed exorcism triggers a wave of the fear of the Lord around the whole community which causes the already believers to start to break their agreement with their past history, their past culture, their past uh, demonic occult practices and, and do something radical with the things that represented those practices. But what, what we've just got time for is I love the phrase, Jesus I know, Paul I have come to know, but who are you? And actually, some of the translations don't catch this, but where it says, Paul I know, sorry, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? There's two different words for know. So Jesus I know is the word nosco, which is know by intimate experience. Demons know about Jesus. He already beat up on them. And disarm them at the cross. They don't need an introduction or a school. They already experienced Jesus. All right? Jesus we know. Paul, actually literally what it means, Paul we have come to know by repeated encounters or experience. So Paul's working in the name of Jesus. And he's gained a reputation by repeatedly beating up on the devil in the circumstances that he faces, so that he's now, the whispers out, watch out for this guy. So in that realm, he has come to know. He's been come to know. Isn't that fun? I'd like to have a reputation. It just means you have to take on stuff. You can because you're the one who already took them on lives in you, but he wants us to have the joy of implementing that victory so that we get our own reputation in that spirit realm alongside the one they already know, which is Jesus. Isn't that exciting? And I would want to posture, propose to you that actually we need, we need to get a place to change a city where we have spiritual authority, where we've actually become known and we take so Paul was known in that city as a threat. And that's our place for us.